0: You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shimaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Pastoral Pauling. Pauling. That is a Freudian slip. Welcome back, everybody, to the another episode of the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. And we're back again. And uh, this is the new era of Pastoral Calling Podcast 2.0. 2.0. And uh, we have a very special guest here today. Longtime listeners of the podcast know this name, know this supple voice. Former guest of the podcast, mm. former intern of the podcast. Mm. I was father of children, (laughs) maker of cappuccinos, dog father of Teddy, (laughs) the one and only Joe. Don't call me an intern, Johnson.
1: Woo!
0: Hello, Internet. (laughs) Internet, good to have you back. It's good to be here. Joe is here, and uh, we're going to have a fun time talking with him. Last time we we left our hero. He was but a lowly intern. So far, you have been an intern six times mm-hmm. over the span of how many years? When did when would your first one have been? Sophomore college. So that was like seven years ago? No, wow. more than that. Eight. Six internships in eight years. That's got to be a record. <laughs> but no more. No longer. For the last year, right? When did you start officially? June 1st of last year. Okay. June 1st, 2017. Full year now. Cool. Mm -hmm. Joe became, what do you tell him? What did you become? I'm the associate pastor at Parkside Bible Church. Which was one of the places you internship. Mm-hmm. So it paid off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't say it was for not. Like
1: three people remembered me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good commentary on pastoral ministry. Yo, you're that guy that was here. Or just uh, a good commentary on internships. On internships. <laughs> <laughs> the same pastor wasn't even there, so it didn't really even... Yikes. Yeah. New dispensation. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Joe
0: is the associate pastor at Parkside Bible Church, Holland. Michigan, mm-hmm. the beautiful tulip capital of everything America. What
2: Full a, disclosure, Parkside
0: is the pastor, is the pa- pastor of Parkside is my father in law. Mm-hmm. Uh, interview number one on number the Pastoral on po- Calling podcast Gary Spikerman. Gary Spikerman huh? was right. the first interview on this podcast. So go back and have a listen to episode one. Yeah. Give you a little context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe Anakin Skywalker will be there, too. (laughs) A different episode one. Watch that, too. (laughs) Misa thinking, this is being a good podcast. Are you an angel? All right, Joe. So (sighs) tell us a little bit about, well, let's first talk about what are you doing? Like, what are some of your major responsibilities? If you were needed to write a job description for yourself. Hmm. Not what you would want to do, but what you actually do. What would be on that?
1: Yeah, so I end up preaching probably like 25% of the time. So it ends up being once a month on average. Every week, 25% of the sermon? (laughs) Yeah, come on up, Joe. And then a lot of it is teaching outside of that, like uh, Sunday school classes and Sunday evening Bible studies. Random different meetings that happen I do the devotionals for. Um, and a lot of it's like pastoral care outside of that, which is really what I wanted to do preaching and pastoral care. So it's really paid off knowing that about myself. So is, uh, so like the jobs, the stuff that you're actually doing,
0: does it line up with what you are expecting to do going into that job?
1: Um, some of it, the, I think the job description was like five pages long. (laughs) So some of that has happened and some of it's switched around, um, a lot of my job has also become, like, coordinating all the different heads of ministries. So yeah. I just, like, communicate with them, check up on them, have meetings with them. That was a major
0: part of my associate mm-hmm. pastor life as well, doing mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of being the, uh, the connecting point between lay-, lay leaders and, like, their ministries that they're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of my job is communicating what's going on with them to the staff and the board so on. And that's probably become a lot more of my job than I thought it would be, but in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so tell us a little bit about Parkside <coughs> Bible Church. Like what is, <laughs> what's the history of the, what's the story of that church?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a really long story. So celebration is only like 25 years old or something. This year,
0: we're well, having well, our 25th anniversary on button. July 14th. Everyone's invited, but you have to buy a ticket. <laughs> it's a catered meal. <laughs> It's not a free gift. Yeah. You guys do food
1: really well, though. It's true. It's going to be worth the price of that ticket. It's going to be a fun one. How yeah. much is the ticket? I'll, I'll ask later. It's not <laughs> worth it. Um, but Parkside's been around uh, almost 100 years. So Whoa. 2020 is our 100-year anniversary. Wow. So I will have been there at that point for twenty years. Interesting. That's like the prime time of like the Bible church movement. Mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it started in... Like, downtown Holland, right at the heart of that. It was there for probably 55 years. Really? Yeah. And then moved to the north side, I think in the 70s. Um, interesting. Where was it downtown? Is the building still there? Or yeah. That- it's. I think it's like a Messianic Jewish temple now, which mm-hmm. is interesting. That is um, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that same building has been there the whole time, and you can see it. People talk about it a lot, like people that are current so members have, who are at that Yeah, take. you still people that... Mm -hmm. that attended that one. There's a lot of people that are like in their 90s that have been going there their entire lives. Yeah. So talking with them about what it was like during that whole time and transition is pretty cool. Um, So there's a long heritage there.
0: For my, I haven't really spent a lot of time in Holland besides trips to the beach on occasion. Got to go to the peanut store, which is just like a top-notch candy store. Chocolate covered gummy bears. Oh my goodness! Don't get me started on chocolate covered gummy bears. <laughs> the greatest, the greatest candy invention. Uh, but from kind of my my limited experience with it, it seems like a much like it has a really small town feel, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's probably it's not as big as Grand Rapids, but. Mm-hmm. It's probably, you know, it's bigger than, like, Grandville or, like, one of our suburbs, mm-hmm. but it still kind of seems to have more of, like, a small town mm-hmm. feel. Is that true? Especially downtown,
1: yeah. It feels like <clears throat> almost, like, old-fashioned downtown buildings. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and probably all of Holland and Zealand, like, the neighboring town, are all, like, one big area that are really connected to each other. But definitely it has that smallness um, except for tulip time when people come from all over the world right. but, and then it feels like sprawling at that time but yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: Okay, so 100 years old church um, <clears throat> what does it look like now? Like what's, hmm. what's kind of your who are your people?
1: Yeah, so we um, probably have right around 200 people that come regularly um, and a lot of older people which I enjoy being mm-hmm. around. Um, it's probably like older people, um, probably 25% like middle age, then the rest are kind of young families and students all kind of mixed in there. So it's a pretty normal demographic, like, especially like like considering celebration. mm -hmm. Is it similar to like,
0: how does it compare and differ from your other churches that you've Hmm. been involved in? There's
1: a lot more like way older people. Uh, which sounds bad, but like people in their 80s and 90s who are still like regularly attending. Yeah, and you can, or they like live in uh, Appledorn, the nursing home, and you can visit them. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's probably a lot less young families than other churches I've been in, but it's kind of growing too, so it's not like depressing and Ah. yeah, but it's less for sure.
0: Has that been a challenge since you're obviously a young family? Mm -hmm. You are not
1: the family, but Mm -hmm.
0: you're a part of one. I am a young family.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah. And that's been a lot of my job too. I don't think it was really in any job description, but helping to like reinvigorate that ministry and put things together. Um, and it's difficult with young families because I got, you both know, like kids are hard to get places and plans change so quickly that it's hard to get, solid commitments from people and it's just really complex and sometimes it's just way easier just to stay home (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs)
0: yeah but that's an interesting dynamic because i mean like i think about my experience growing up and it's different because i was a pastor pastor's kid but like that was just a regular part of Mm -hmm. what we did like our main i would say my parents main social group Mm-hmm. or only social group really were people from church. Mm-hmm. When I think of my church, like I'm, I, I think most people kind of have multiple circles of, yeah. of community. They have their church friends and then they have maybe work friends or school friends or whatever. Yeah. And so back in the day when it would be like, come to church, we're going to have a Bible study. That was also like, yeah a fun event like it was like mm-hmm. a time to to get together with friends mm-hmm. now it's almost more like um at least in in some in some places it's it's not so much that so i don't know just kind of what what was your experience kind of growing up um like what was your involvement kind of as you know as a kid like did you did you have friends that were church friends and outside friends and did you see that yeah Kind of like with your mom? Really, really,
2: m- by the time I got to junior high, most of my friends were church friends. Yeah. And I had, had a little orbit, you know, in my school of people that I would make friends with mm-hmm. and then invite them to church eventually. And and so that that group of five or six of us were really pretty good friends. From your youth group? Like Yeah. 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 And the youth group had kind of concentric circles that overlapped, you know, in different ways of... Uh, you know, clicks and things like that that happen. But mm-hmm. um, I think as as I think about the life of the church that I grew up in, the the you have those stalwart people who are part of the community, and they're in the community, and they're never leaving that community. Like yeah, that's they're mm-hmm. not. Um, yeah, they're like stickers. They're not going to look for the next best thing and leave.
0: Mm-hmm. That's is, not even a thought in their mind. Yeah, like, why that, would uh, I yeah. want to go anywhere
2: else? Yeah. And so as long as as long as a church has yeah. like a a core of that kind of person, then it's really going to maintain that sense of tradition and, mm-hmm. and history and identity, and this is who we are. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be in tension with new people who don't know that story and who don't know mm-hmm. the culture of the place, and I. And I just knowing my father-in-law's work there. Um, it's like, there's this, um, there's these archeological layers of the church and the hundred year old church, you can dig down through the generations and see, Mm -hmm. all right, this is what happened then. And this is what things were like when we moved or changed buildings or we built this addition to the building or Mm -hmm. so-and-so became the pastor or so-and-so left the pastoral ministry. And, There are all these different layers and it takes a long time to Mm -hmm. come in as an outsider to a church like that. Like I know, Jim, there's stuff about your church that you just don't know the answers. Like, why are we like this? I have no idea. And I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if
0: I should ask, you know, it's funny because I've actually Mm -hmm. just recently been having those conversations because we're having our 25th anniversary. And so it's like bringing up conversations about, oh, yeah, when this so-and-so happened or when this took place and yeah.
2: So you have to have a, you know, you have to have a long-term mindset, I think, coming in mm-hmm. to, to be patient with that dig, right? Mm-hmm. Stick with the metaphor, <laughs> like to learn, to learn about the past of the church, I'm going to have to uncover kind of one layer at a time, yeah. you know, in this section over here. And then that's going to point to me to like, well, maybe there's more of this section over here and I have to mm-hmm. dig in this place, but it's very patient, painstaking work of mm-hmm. understanding, again, so that I can best minister to the people who are there. Mm-hmm. And I could come in, guns blazing, and start ministering to the people who are there. But if I don't know yeah. that archaeology of the place, yeah,
1: then I could make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it, too. And the pastor who was there before Gary had been there for like 19 or 20 years. And so... Uh, when he left, I think there was real mourning that happened, not because, I anyone mean, one was hurt in it, but it was just he had been there so long change. that it was changed. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that have been there that whole time are still kind of in that mourning process and realizing that this isn't the church that It's it not going to be. gonna become that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have come in since then that have no context of that. Yeah. So it's a weird, like, mixing of people with all of that history, some with none of that history and some kind of in-between who have left and come back for different reasons. Yeah. So it's way more complex than just this layer, then this layer, then this layer. It's kind of, here's this layer, but I have to put that on pause while I learn about this layer and coming back and connecting it all. But it's kind of fun, too. Yeah.
0: Where's Dr. Alan Grant <laughs> when you need him?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Life finds a way.
1: <laughs> Is he in the new Jurassic Park movie?
0: I don't know. I keep forgetting there's a new Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, me too. Did you guys? I feel like, like
2: you could always bring that character back, and he would have aged perfectly in that same role. Yes. Well,
0: he also like looks the same, right. As That's he true. did thirty years ago, or whenever that movie came out. Wow. Did you yeah. like the one with Chris Pratt? No, I haven't seen either of them. This the other one's already out. I think it just came out. Or something. Just very um, recently. It is okay. It's like anytime you get these reboots, it's like the. The contrived nostalgia Yeah Always gets the best of those movies I feel this Yeah 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 Lightning in a bottle Anyways, okay (laughs) Back to uh, Back to Parkside Bible Church So mm -hmm. How would Okay, here's a question What would How would you describe Kind of like Not the demographic identity of your church (laughs) But how would you describe like The guts of your church (laughs) I mean, if some churches would probably have like a fancy mission. Maybe you do have a mission statement or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, what what makes you guys hmm. your? What makes you your church?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I tried to when I first got there. I tried to like process through all this and really commit the first year of trying to figure out that stuff and listening to people who've been there a long time, listening to people who were just come and see what their expectations of me were, but also their expectations of Parkside in general going forward. So I spent a lot of this year trying to figure out all of that. Um, and one of the big things is Parkside's a very prayerful church. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of prayer things that happen. Um, some meetings just for prayer. Interesting. Um, and then some, well, not just for like transition purposes, yeah. but that does yeah. happen. But like individual people are very steady in prayer and during meetings when something comes up, they will stand up and say, let's pray about this. Yeah. So it's just very purposeful in that way um scripture and teaching is another huge part of it uh there's always some kind of devotional happening or teaching happening so i fit pretty nicely in that because i enjoy those things um but it's also a very welcoming church i think the people that have been there for so long appreciate that it was welcoming before and want to keep that legacy going uh and we try to walk the balance of not like being overbearing when people come to visit, but also like greeting them and saying, like you're welcome here. Yeah. And we're just excited that you're here. Uh, so those are the big three things. And I think people would probably all echo that from what I've seen. Um,
0: those those are, are pretty good ones. Yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> and it's fun working alongside Gary because we can kind of um, help people do the ministry. And that's a big part of his vision of ministry is like equipping other people to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. So ours is less like pushing and vision and being like the CEOs of the church and more mm-hmm. kind of on the sidelines, helping people like jump into ministry. So it's been fun. People are really receptive to that too.
0: Um, s- being an intern in its nature is like one part of a multifaceted life. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, when you're at Celebration, you were also working full time at Madcap. Mm-hmm. You were also a full time student mm-hmm. at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. You had already had Nora, mm-hmm. but I think was Soren born when you were at working at Celebration, yeah. so you mm-hmm. grew a family <laughs> from the ground. <laughs> um, water, fertilizer, that whole thing. They yeah. started bursting forth from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you moved, yeah, to a home and had to like mow, a house, mow your lawn, yeah. yes, <laughs> those sorts of things. Now you're still doing a family, plus you're you're doubling it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, we're. He like means the, we're having twins. That's put it nicely. Like doubling your family. Okay, you're having twins, but you're
0: no longer a student. Mm-hmm. You're no longer slinging espresso and making mm-hmm. home squeezed almond milk. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What is kind of some like of the biggest <clears throat> differences that that makes in your like? So, so let me, let me kind of maybe overstep a little bit and say the reason that you were working at Madcap and the reason that you're going to Grand Rapids Theological Seminary and the reason you were interning at Celebration was it, to enable you to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like those things were, yeah. were venues to kind of move you into that direction. Now that you're there, mm-hmm. like what is, what's kind of the difference? Some of the major yeah. differences.
1: Oof, that's a huge question. Um, it took a long time to ask yeah, to like literally find a lot of, lot of words <laughs> um, Verbosity Did <CD. laughs> um, I just impress you with a made up word? Yeah, Is it's it's that a made real up? Or maybe, no. Verbosity is a Ver- real word Verbosity? Potato, potato <laughs> <laughs> Tomato, potato Augustine, no Augustine potato. <laughs> No one says potato <laughs> Barth and Bart <sighs> Stop it you guys <laughs> Um, okay, so the question: What are the differences? Um, one of the big ones was that was pretty brutal doing all those different things all at once, and I feel like a lot of my time was just traveling between them and trying to keep schedules. Uh, <laughs> but it was also really life giving because I was doing so many different things that everything was like fresh all the time, mm. and so working with people, working with people at Madcap and uh, the like, secular post Christian. Environment was really life-giving because I could kind of pastor there in a way that was like very much uh, dark and like opposed to Christianity but there were little glimpses of hope through it mm-hmm. so it was like I could take that and it would like shine even brighter in all that darkness or whatever it wasn't like super dark but you know what I mean <laughs> um, you a
2: stealth pastoring
1: yeah and that was really life-giving because I had to like be on my toes all the time yeah thinking intentionally yeah um and being like sensitive all the time, and so that was good. Um, and celebration was fun because it was like little glimpses of full time ministry, and it was just exciting. Um, but transferring all of that into just one position and family, uh, it's a lot less like sprints, yeah. and a lot less like, man, this is rough. But wow, remember that? That will keep me for like three months, yeah, and more. Just a lot of waiting. And doing the same things over and over again and talking to the same people over and over again with the same conversations and doing like emails and event planning, which I'm not very good at, without those little super bright blips, or they just come yeah. few and far between. Yeah. And it's also lonelier. I remember texting you like one of my first weeks and I was like, I've been at church all by myself this whole week. <laughs> and it's just like I didn't even think of that as a possibility, but it's just lonely sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I remember that text and I was like, yep, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and going from like people all the time, or at least working with multiple yeah. people shift and interacting with people yeah. all day. It's hard to have one whole day of just like, like in the church, mm-hmm. no one else comes through phone doesn't ring mm-hmm. and just doing ministry and it's good, but yeah, yeah it's hard to adjust. Yeah. To so the pace is totally different. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Hmm. It has, like, a similar form, though. Like, there are still those blips that can carry me for a long time, but, like, weeks go between them. What
2: do you do in the midst of all that to, like, be refreshed, like, to stay personally, emotionally, full? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a big part of it is scripture and praying. I know it's been, like, a big part of your ministry lately, Jim, and that's kind of encouraging me to be on that same thing, too. And we talked about that in seminary, but you don't really have time to think about, like, a Sabbath or think about two hours of devotional time when you're doing all that stuff. So that
0: just for anybody listening, who's kind of interested in that um, in Eugene Peterson's, the contemplative pastor, Mm. he has this, this section that I found really like radically simple and like refreshing um, about, he wanted to talk about like, what is the key parts of, of the pastoral role. Like what makes the pastoral role worth being and rather than just being a, a shopkeeper, like you said, mm-hmm. kind of the CEO of the church, like what is unique about the pastoral role? And he narrows it down to really three things. And he says the things that if you can focus on these and make these kind of the center of what you do, the other things you will continue to do, you'll still have to have the meetings and whatever, but mm-hmm. they all fall into place. And those things are um, preaching and teaching. So like mm-hmm. the, the studying of scripture in order to, to preach it, being a pastor who prays, mm-hmm. who who not only that you are praying regularly, but you're the type of person that people know that they can come to you mm-hmm. Yeah. for prayer. And that one, that was a big thing for me. Like you just said, that really kind of changed the way that I think about mm-hmm. prayer in my life. And then the third one was being somebody who, who listens. Mm-hmm. Like we as pastors have the flexibility in our lives and in our schedules that we can spend an hour mm-hmm. just sitting with somebody and letting them talk about something that's relatively not important, mm-hmm. but for them, It is really important and that is that is your ministry is being the person who listens and Hmm. kinda allows them to to share these things with you and then then you kinda use that as a springboard to to move them closer to to who God is. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the like one of the again the things the benefits that we have in our flexibility of job is that we can do that whereas, you know, your local business leader down the street. Yeah. They got to get to the next meeting. They got to get to the next thing. They got to mm-hmm. keep going. And so um, the unbusyness, the intentional unbusyness of pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And so when, you, when you're when you talking about prayer, like that's really where that came from. So out there in TV land, uh, <laughs> the contemplative pastor... Like everything Peterson writes is brilliant, mm-hmm. but that yeah. one, I know you've really appreciated that
1: book as yeah, well. Yeah, that was huge for me. I re- read that like in my first two months at Parkside. Yeah. And it, I mean, he's just like life-giving yeah. in the way he writes. Um, there's a couple of things there too in what you said. Uh, preaching and teaching and pastoral care is what I feel called to, and preaching and teaching is a huge part of pastoring, as you just quoted Peterson saying. Um, but it's kind of off-kilter with me because I only preach like once a month and sometimes it can be like seven weeks in between and then I preach twice Um, and getting kind of that taste of like back to back sermons is like oh man I can't wait to do that all the time Um, just have like a creative outlet for all of that and I think that probably contributes to the like long time lapses between like little blips of hope because I don't have that outlet to create Mm -hmm. Um, and so that kind of forces me to find creativity in other ways I've been like kind of like doing poetry a little bit. I'm not very good at it, but it's fun to like think about phrases and putting them together and putting them down. It kind of feels like a creative outlet for me. Um, But I think all of that, like time-lapse too helps when I preach be one of those like blips of hope. And I can be very like focused and intentional. Like I won't get to preach again for a month. Mm -hmm, I'm going to make this whole process count. Um, And when I meet with people and listen to them, I try to be extra sensitive just knowing that like this is one of the times where I'm like interacting with another spiritual person and uh like blips of hope can come out of this if I have ears to hear it yeah yeah
0: and that that has really been important for me to like really train myself when I'm going into whether it's a hospital visit or just lunch with somebody like, really training myself to be, like, as present as I can in that mm-hmm. conversation, you know, because it's so easy for us to be thinking about what's next or what was or what's, mm-hmm. you know, but to just be there with that person, you know, mm-hmm. um, fellowshipping and community with them, I think, is, mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to ask you guys about when you're listening to people mm-hmm. in your pastoral role and that can become kind of a a nexus for lots of information coming Mm -hmm. in. And so everyone wants to talk to the pastor about the thing. They don't necessarily want to talk to their ministry director about the thing or the problem that they have. They want to talk to the pastor. Mm -hmm. And so how have you been able to to negotiate all of the different perspectives and Hmm. conflicts and issues that people bring to you, which are, you know, Of varying significance and seriousness. They're always important to the person. Otherwise they wouldn't feel like they had to share it with the pastor, but, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of filter all of that and you try to triage. Okay. This one's really important and this one needs to be addressed all the way down to, yeah, it's just so, and so this is what Mm -hmm. they say. This is what they do. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of ignore it and blow it off. Mm -hmm. Not that a pastor blows anything off. (laughs) We'll edit that later. (laughs) So how do you, how do you balance that role of being Hmm. pastor and listener with, Got all this information coming in, and, and I need to let people know that their concerns are heard and that their needs are being addressed. But also balancing all of the needs of everyone in
1: the church. Yeah, oof, that's a good question too. Um, that's what we do, think, Joe. That's what we crap do, Joe. <laughs> this is not going where I thought it was going. <laughs> There's no bad questions, only bad. <laughs> Did answers. you get on the podcast before? <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't go where I thought it would either. Anyways. um... Yeah, that's a good question. Back to what I just said. Uh, I think a lot of it just takes practice. Um, I think the big thing happened for me when I was in college. I don't know where it was in, but I realized that like when I'm talking with someone, I don't really want them to give me an answer or advice. I just need to like express what I'm thinking and feeling in that moment. And really that like allowing me to express that, is better for me long-term than any advice they give. I mean, sometimes advice is good, but it's usually overshadowed by the fact that I just got to, like, vent or, like, share and someone actually connected in such a way where they, like, valued that and valued that time. And people can pick up on that if you're trying... If you have, like, an agenda and trying to get things across um, or make sure you get your advice heard, people can pick up on that and they'll be more guarded. Um, But I also think even in those, like, mundane things that people say... Um, they have value in themselves but they also like mask what's actually under there and you said earlier like when people come to you to share something it's important enough that they came to the pastor to say it so a lot of times people need to let all of it out and be heard and then you can like ask questions that get behind it like what's actually going on why you not like why you're actually here to see me but like (laughs) why are you so obsessed about that why is that such a problem Why have you been holding on to that for so long? Sure. What's
2: the underlying spiritual need that Mm -hmm. we want to
1: address? Because the thing that they're
2: sharing might just be symptomatic of something.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times it's just hearing what someone's saying and like, I can't focus on that phrase right now. I need to like put that in the back of my mind and just keep focusing on what they're saying and get back to that at some other point. Um, A lot of that just takes practice. A lot of it's just like shutting up and letting people talk and knowing whatever they say is okay and like
0: legitimate one of the things that I found too is um kind of coming back to the idea of the long the long-term picture of pastoral ministry is you get to know the individual people and you get to know like what's going on in their lives and you also get to know just like their personality quirks and so I can Mm -hmm. think of a few people um in my congregation who will call me I don't know once every couple weeks Mm -hmm. to kind of go through these are all the things that are going on in my life and um, i know for them like it's not necessarily a um, red alert red alert red alert every Mm -hmm. time it is just kind of that let's just talk through it and kind of reassure them like god is in control and, and whatever whereas other people i know their personalities that it they have said something to me about it mm-hmm. it is like critical to respond and so mm-hmm. i think part of mm. part of the pastoral work is knowing your people in the yeah. same way that like matt i think you know your kids right so you, i think yeah. more than both joe and i you have i mean you have multiple kids but you have older multiple multiple kids and they're older they're they're come on we got the same number <laughs> of
2: kids Mine just a little older
0: <laughs> but yours are older and they're more in the like interactive point, like you know if Ethan comes up to you and says something you're going to respond very differently than if Caitlin or Or you're going to tailor that to the needs of the right moment Mm -hmm. right
2: yeah so it's just getting to know that congregation over time and knowing what the needs
1: are and Mm -hmm. being able to speak the right word at Mm -hmm. the right time and I'm really thankful for both of you too because you're both of my like rabbis and now colleagues um But, like, Matt, you taught me how to be gracious and peaceable in the way I do theology, and you taught me how to do that, like, with people. And, Matt, I can cry with you, and Jim never cries, so it's a nice little (laughs) balance there. Um, But, like, carrying that into every interaction is important. How can I be gracious and peaceable with this person? Mm -hmm. That was a good answer. Good question <laughs> and a good
0: answer.
2: Well, we don't always have that on Word. the podcast. Ooh, good questions and good answers. That's true. But time. this
0: is... Chock full of them, this, this one. This is 2.0. So we're... <laughs> in Speaking of 2.0, I'm looking forward to a future episode. Not that we want to get this one <laughs> over with. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pretty soon, we're going to have uh, our friend Josh Kessler on the podcast, mm. who is uh, a pastoral... Degree student, graduate, uh, current employee at Zondervan, slash, full-time Wendell Berry small organic farm, Kessler Farms farmer, Kessler Family Farms, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about what that transition has been like for him. But he's produce pickup. I know Joe and I are both part of the CSA. We're both on Team Eggplant, Team Zucchini, Team Zucchini. <laughs> We're both on Team Zucchini, and so we're gonna I'm go. Visually the same. We're gonna
1: vegetable. go pick up our produce. Are you gonna go pick it up today? I am. Me too. Maybe I'll see you there. All right. Hashtag Team Zucchini. There's gonna
0: be some pretty cool tatsoi involved in this. There's a lot of greens. <laughs> a lot of greens. But you know, what? early spring is always the greens. Always, with the CSA. Always the greens. <laughs> Once the kale gets going. <laughs> Okay, so back to, uh, back to where we are here, the matter at hand. What has been something that you didn't expect that is now a part of your life in pastoral ministry? Something that hmm. your multitude of internships did not prepare you for? Can't say twins. Oh.
1: <laughs> that is a huge shock, though, for real. Um, I would imagine. Um, we'll have another episode next. <laughs> year. In fact, I can only imagine two point two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's two point four in your case. No. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, probably, nothing. yeah, nothing. It's per- um, probably like work and family balance. I mean, that's a huge part of seminary, and a huge part of all my internships I've been in, and so it teaching you about it. Yeah. But it's hard to practice it when, like, you have a day off and someone calls with a kind of emergency Mm -hmm. and you have to think, like, I need to take care of my family too. This is better for me long term to not deal with that and kind of weighing all of those things. And that's always been, like, theoretically in internships and schooling, but, like, it's, like, visceral and real pretty often. Would you say
0: it was easier to, like, manage your time? when you were doing
1: lots of different things because your life was so segmented? Mm-hmm. And I could purposely choose not to write a paper right, and be with my family and kind of say, I'll, I won't get the honor cords at the end, right. but... Did I'll you get the get honor, honor cords? cords. <laughs> no, I was .01 Ooh. GPAs. No on. You're one paper away. away. So all the guys I graduated with, there's one picture where they all have yellow cords, and I'm just kind of like, Hello. <laughs> But I took a summer class and I bumped it up after, so I would have... Did they checked- send you one in the mail? No. You wear it as a sash,
0: just around. <laughs> Sorry to dredge that one up for you. <sighs> that's interesting, though, and I and I agree. And that that is the hard thing. Probably one of the, the more difficult things is can finding out how that theoretical idea of like um, family life balance and church life balance, which in the classroom can seem very simple, of mm-hmm. like this is my day off this is the time I'm going to spend with my family and whatever. But then when you actually get into the congregation and like, these are your people as well, mm-hmm. and these needs are real as well. And it suddenly becomes less easy to make those decisions, at least in mm-hmm. my case where it isn't just like, okay, this is day off. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do anything like this on day off. It's sometimes like, well, this, you know, I need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And that means I'll cut off from work a little early, you know, Mm -hmm. next, next week or something like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think that's it. Well, I'm curious about
2: this though, because we, we've got in, in the culture kind of a a 40 hour work week mentality, maybe for pastors it's 48 or 50 and that's, you think of your day off, right? I always have heard Mm -hmm. pastors say my day off is this day, Mm -hmm. which has always made me think like, do pastors think of a six day week and they get a day off? Or hmm. is Sunday like a half day? Because I think the average congregation member, and I'll throw myself in that lot since I haven't lived full-time pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. is to say, well, I mean, I work five days a week. Why does the pastor only have one? Or yeah. I work five. What's he doing the rest of the time? Like, mm-hmm. all you have to do is write a sermon, you know, mm-hmm. that type of question. Um, and then contrast that with like a whole life, like a holistic life that's lived holistically I am a pastor, I am a father, and I don't like close the door on mm-hmm. pastoral role when I go home, but you don't want to be the pastor when you're at home with your family
0: either. I've seen mm-hmm. the, the downside of that. I think the hardest the, the biggest enemy of that is exactly what you started this out on, is that there's this forty hour work week assumption. And like wherever that came from of like you work 40 hours and then you don't work the rest of the time. The factory. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and I think that that makes sense in, in most contexts, but I honestly think it's not helpful for a pastor to think in those terms. Now, yeah. I do think in those terms in order to, like, kind of keep – give myself, like, um, something to shoot for as far as, like, office hours. Like, here's – and I don't keep 40 office hours, but I mean, mm-hmm. like – you know, like I try to kind of keep it as a good, as a good floorboard, baseline, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you do that,
2: though, because that's helpful as a time frame for you and your own sense of personal accountability to the ministry? Or do you do that so that there's this external accountability? Because everyone else is thinking 40-hour work week. And if they ask you, you can say... Right,
0: both. And <laughs> But I think, that, I think that that's such an interesting thing is that this job is not a factory job, right? Like this my job is not to produce this product, you know, this amount of products in this amount of time. Like my job is to be the spiritual like guide and director and um you know, while also making sure that a church service happens <laughs> once a week mm-hmm. and there are, there are things happening. And so um I I do that for both reasons, but I really wish I kind of didn't have to. Um, I don't know, but it's mixed up because sometimes it is helpful to like, um, to to keep myself accountable as far as like, you know, I'm going to keep these office hours, even though, um, I could be doing this work in a coffee shop or whatever. I'm going to be in the office this amount of time. It gives people an opportunity to know like Jim's here in the office if I need to talk to him if I need to call him or whatever. Um, but But I think that's really the key is for pastors to not think of that. And and like, honestly, you hear that all the time of like pastors saying like, yeah, I work 60 or 70 hour work weeks or whatever. And I mean, I personally think like maybe there's there's something wrong. there. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. why are you working that much? Like, what are you what is going on in your ministry that's requiring you? To, to do that like and I don't want to critique anybody that I don't know your situation or your job and so if you're out there listening and you're like that's you you know <laughs> I got I'm not trying to, to, to challenge that but um, I don't know like I, I guess I personally never really had a super difficult time finding that balance because I think my identity is yeah. pretty well linked to being a pastor that I recognize that if there's weeks where I'm in the office more Mm-hmm. there's also going to be weeks when I'm in the office less and, um, but there's not a spreadsheet kinda, that yeah, tracks right. all that. Right.
1: Well, it gets tricky too when you, because this last weekend I went to like four open houses. Right. And so it gets tricky when you start calling that ministry because everyone else from our church went to that right. too on their weekend. Right. But I think it's helpful for me to think of it as me going into that has different expectations and perception than someone who grew up with that person going to it mm-hmm. and not that I have to like devotional. Yeah. But like <laughs> if someone comes up and talks to me there, they're doing it because I'm the pastor and they don't get to see yeah. me elsewhere. And so it can kind of change things. But I try not to think about all of this too much because it can very easily become like, what are my measurables proving that I'm doing a good job Exactly. and more like realizing it's like farming, where some weeks you have to do way mm-hmm. more, and sometimes you're just waiting mm-hmm. and doing little bits of upkeep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tricky to do in West Michigan, because there's so much, like, factory and, like, yeah. 9 to 5. That's a really like great analogy, shift. though. Is that Did you steal that from someone? Is that Wendell? I yeah, don't Probably. I
0: don't know. That I mean, that is a really good analogy, because the purpose of the farmer is to produce, but it's not measurable in that same way. It's like mm-hmm. you you work in in the grain of the farm. Like you work mm-hmm. in the rhythm of how the farm is run. You don't work in the rhythm of the factory that always, you know, you think of the mm-hmm. old Flintstones, right? The dinosaur bell rings yeah. and it's time to go and then it stops. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how pastoral ministry works mm-hmm. and yeah i think that's a, that's a really good idea yeah, it even has to do with the rhythm of the seasons in the
2: year and the Absolutely. amount of light that's available to be outside mm-hmm. and Absolutely. do
0: work and that one of my my biggest like um revelations in in that sort of vein of thought came maybe two three years ago no two three years into my pastoral work when i would like summer would come and i would like feel like man i'm I'm not doing anything like I'm, I need to find stuff to keep myself busy. Cause Sunday school isn't going on Wednesday night. Bible study isn't yeah. going on. Um, everything, you know, all the ministries like, like, uh, like getting to the point where I recognize like, this is a season where things are slower mm-hmm. and I should embrace that because fall is going to come along and suddenly there are going to be four, three or four things happening on weeknights. And so allow this to be what it is mm-hmm. kind of lean into the slower pace of mm-hmm. summer um and then lean into the quicker pace of the fall without mm-hmm. complaining one way or the other but just like this is the life of the this is the rhythm of the church and this yeah. is kind of how i and that was really really freeing for me mm-hmm. to like be able to not feel like this guilt throughout the summer of like oh i'm not doing enough um to recognize, like, there's this natural order of things. You can also fight that a little bit and say, "Oh, we should keep these ministries going through
2: right. the summer, or yeah. we should right. expect people right. to not be at their cabin or right. not be on vacation." Right. And in <laughs> Michigan, just having lived here for twelve or thirteen years, to to <laughs> realize you're not going to stop people from going to their cabin. Yeah, yeah, to go up north. It's no. There's no sense you're trying to feel yeah. guilty for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like going to the cottage or doing their thing or being gone for a month because that's what people do. And the responsibility becomes to minister to the people who are there Mm -hmm. and not so much worry about people who aren't there.
1: Or find creative ways to minister to those people while they're Mm. out because that's still like the farm that you have. Yeah, and even in Holland, there were people that, like I didn't even meet for the first three or four months because it started in June and then once September rolled around, those people were very like <laughs> active yeah. for the next ten months in ministry. Yeah. And like, yeah, it is just what it is. And yeah. And it's hard here too, because a lot of people leave for the winter. So there's a lot of people that like cross over for like six Sundays mm-hmm. and then they don't see each other the rest of the year. And that's just part of where we're at, I guess. Yeah. Knowing the culture, that's that's big that's a good insight.
0: So back in the old the old days of Pastoral Calling Podcast. we we asked (laughs) our interviewees three questions to end the podcast and so we will we'll continue that so the first one is what is um the most joyful part of pastoral ministry for you Hmm. the second one is what is the least joyful part of pastoral ministry for Hmm. you and the third one is what are um any books or resources that you are currently digging that you would (laughs) recommend. So first, what is the, what's the most
1: joyful life giving thing? I think it's, um, I think I said this last time too, but just like working with people for a long time and seeing them grow. Um, and that's just like, it's nothing that I do that does it, although that like helps, but it's ultimately like random and you're like, harvesting things from like eight months before and like carrying conversations from like years before if you get to that point um it's just cool to see people blossom and like oh i never thought of it that way and that's just cool um i think that's still the same one just a different culture and context What about the grind (sighs) Yeah, I think it's become, like, event planning. I'm not good at that. I kind of said yes to too many things when I started that are all harvesting now. And so there's, like, little... Party planning committee. Like, I'm kind of in charge of, like, the VBS program, kind of out of nowhere. And it's good. (laughs) And I'm, like, I'd like to delegate and stuff. What's your theme? Vikings? It's, it's like, a camp. So it's, like, a campground thing. It's kind of working together with Harry to make all that happen. Um... And I'm just, like, not good at event planning or, like, what are details I need to make sure I cover before I get to this. Right. And, yeah. I like office stuff, like administrative. I didn't think I would, but I really do like that stuff. But, like, planning events is just not my forte. My cup of tea. <laughs> my cup of cappuccino. Speaking of, we're going to head down to
0: Madcap after this and Ooh. get some quality signature drinks. Signature. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's your BBS theme this year? I don't know. I think it might be Vikings or something. You guys always Vikings. just Vikings. got something Nordic or Scandinavian. We always do whatever uh, group. No, what we do is we do whatever Hanley Reform Church does because we they give us their sets when they're done with is their, That' why it's always a Viking or Scandinavian So whatever theme. their whatever their theme Northern European is, theme, we just take it and then we do it all for. Free. It's awesome. You guys have done Northern, Northern Europe three <laughs> years in a row. Someone's got to represent them. They're a forgotten people. <laughs> all right, and you know that very regularly the Scandinavians are like the happiest ranked, the That's happiest consistently true of living. Yes, I, mean, I think it's all the IKEA furniture. It might be that poang chair, man. That poang chair will change anyone's life. Okay, Joe. Last five percent tax rate. Last question. What are, what are some books that you're digging right now?
1: Um, well, a lot of Eugene Peterson. I probably should stop reading him and read other people. But um, <laughs> I'm reading uh, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. Ooh, the big boy. It's, it's dense, but it's good. And it's always, yeah. like every page has something i would never thought of before.
0: Yeah, I, uh, That one was sitting on my shelf for like years. Gary Hansen actually gave me a copy of it. And I finally broke down and did it on audible.com. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to read this. <laughs> But I will listen to it and it was great
1: Ugh. Um, another one of his that I just read was called Working the Angles mm. um, which Jim thought was Working the Angels and made fun of me on Instagram about it but it's called Working the Angles it's that like, wasn't me yeah it was no. I saw you do this little sparkly thing in the sky <laughs> <laughs> um, it was also my yeah, ex-manager from that oh that oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was him Instagram flashbacks to 2016. That was exactly. actually like three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, it was <laughs> relatively really recent. <laughs> Throwback Thursday. Um, but it's all about pastoral integrity and it has like scripture and praying and all of that, but it's, it's just like has different ways of thinking about it that are really helpful. So that's a good one. Um, and then I'm also reading a book that's not necessarily a Christian book, but oh. really uh, don't say it. <laughs> Harry Potter. Just kidding. um, <laughs> <laughs> um it's. I'm really into, like, emotional health and how that all plays out. Um, partly from, like, James K. A. Smith and mm-hmm. You Are Too Love and stuff. But there's a book called Constructive Living that is, like, very practical. Dealing with emotions as they come and not, like, denying them or, like, extrapolating them. But just letting them be there and then, like, willing yourself to action out of it. Which sounds pretty, like, boring. But it's actually really
0: intriguing. Have you ever read Brene Brown? mm She's good in that. Pete Scazzaro? Oh, yeah, the emotionally, emotionally healthy church leader, whatever. He has a good series. There's a that. few of those. But yeah, those are awesome. But Brene Brown ha- is has a lot of good stuff on that as well. She has a book called Daring Greatly, which mm-hmm. is was a really helpful book for me. You read that too. I read it too. Is it and, daringly great? Uh, bad pun. Let's end <laughs> oh, on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well done, Joe. Way to
0: finish strong. There's no bad jokes. So like, <laughs> <laughs> Only bad guests on the podcast. <laughs> Only bad jokers. Ooh. All right, Joe, this has been good. Um, I mean, we talk regularly, but good to do this in, uh, at this level too. So we're
2: excited for you and your growing family, and thanks to see you in full-time ministry. It's really awesome. Yeah, thanks. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Later. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.